So Journey to the East is a short novel by German writer Hermann Hesse. It tells the story of a man known as H.H. who becomes a member of the League, an organization with members from different times and places who are all on a journey toward deeper truth. A group within the League begins a pilgrimage toward the East. Within the group is Leo also, a well-loved servant who does his duties towards the others and sustains the spirit of the group with his good-natured presence. Even the animals are drawn to him. Overall, though, he is seen merely as a servant doing his job. But when this servant, Leo, disappears from the group, the whole league seems to disintegrate. Internal disputes arise over the purpose of both the league and the pilgrimage they're on. Ultimately, the travelers part ways and head off in different directions. The league seems to have died. Later, when H.H. sits down to write about the ill-fated pilgrimage, he becomes more and more convinced that the disintegration of the group has something to do with the disappearance of this servant, Leo, and he sets out to find the servant. Eventually, H.H. learns that the League really does still exist, and that not only did Leo not desert the League, but that Leo is, in fact, its president. It was just that those on the pilgrimage never recognized Leo for what he truly was, their leader. They could never recognize their destiny when it was embodied in the one who served them. American businessman Robert Greenleaf read Hess's story, and it triggered within him the realization that servanthood and leadership are not opposites. Instead, leading by being a servant is the way the world works or so Greenleaf proposed in his landmark paper of 1970, The Servant as Leader. The problem lies with the way we understand both servanthood and leadership. See, typically leadership is seen as hierarchical, coercive, and disciplinary, as enforcing a conformity to rules or structure. And then we typically see servanthood as an identity that is forced upon us in one of two ways. It's either forced upon us externally by a gender or economic or racial group that sees itself as being superior to all others, or it's forced upon us internally when we fear our own power. But what if leadership is about influence, not coercion, about empowering others to be the best they can be, about granting freedom and space for creativity, And what if choosing servanthood is about deciding to act in love, about making the intentional decision to not only influence others, but to also allow ourselves to be influenced by others, by their needs and their gifts and their longings? What if servanthood is about opening ourselves up, suspending the busyness of our minds and the incessant worries of our egos? What if servanthood and leadership are both ultimately about community, collaboration, care for others. Well, that changes everything. Some of the greatest leaders, those who have influenced the world for the better, are people who are at their core servants. There is, of course, Mother Teresa, who day in and day out served the poor, those dying from malnutrition and TB in India and AIDS in New York, 
those caught in the midst of war. Her servanthood didn't let the world forget our responsibility to the suffering among us. Most servants, though, go about their lives much more quietly, and like the servant Leo in Hess's novel, their influence is often unknown. I think of Gail Kirkland here at St. Peter's. Every Friday night, Gail took our canvas labyrinth to McPherson Women's Prison. She offered the women a space where they could listen and be listened to, a space to explore the deepest part of who they were without platitudes or rigid guidelines. When Gail died, several of these women attended her funeral, bearing witness to the influence Gail's servanthood played in their own lives. Servanthood and leadership go hand in hand. And maybe that's especially important to remember on this day when we celebrate Christ the King Sunday. It's a day that makes many of us uncomfortable. It can be hard to reconcile the image of Jesus as servant with the image of Christ as king. It can be hard to reconcile the picture of Jesus with a towel slung over his shoulder washing the feet of the disciples with stained glass windows of Christ seated on a throne. Truthfully, maybe we're too quick to give Jesus the name king. We hear Jesus' words in today's reading from the Gospel of John, My kingdom is not from this world. And we immediately assign Jesus the title of king. But I'm not so sure it's one he welcomes. After all, he never calls himself a king in any of the Gospels. Maybe Jesus knew that his followers would at least occasionally succumb to the temptation to project onto him all the characteristics that we associate with earthly kings. Characteristics like unilateral power, the inability to be moved by others, a splendor devoid of vulnerability. Maybe Jesus knew that we would be more comfortable focusing on his majesty than on his servanthood. But the truth is that when it comes to Jesus, we can never use the title king without also standing in the shadow of the cross. This is the truth to which Jesus came to bear witness. It is the truth of God's love, God's beautiful, gratuitous, infinite love. It is the truth that power is found in the giving of oneself, that strength comes through love, that the greatest among us are those who serve. It's a truth that can change everything if only we find the courage to let it. Fear has driven us for so long. We in this world have bought into the myth that violence can cure violence, that isolation can keep us safe, that we need to keep doing the same old things we've been doing but just do them better and better, that if we tighten the screws, we can keep chaos at bay. But just one look at the news is enough to disavow us of all these illusions. Our world is tired, and our only hope is that we can begin to live by a new story, A new story that is actually as old as creation. The story of a God who rules by love, not fear. In the midst of civil war in Syria, of bombs in Beirut, hostages in Mali, and terrorist attacks in Paris, God's kingdom seems like a pipe dream. What are the chances that we will witness peace on earth in our lifetime? 
But here I think it's helpful and important to remember that the kingdom of heaven is not really a place as much as it is a way of being in the world. And every time we act in a way marked by openness to others, by freedom, not rigidity, by concern for the poor and the suffering, and above all, by love, whenever we act in these ways, the kingdom of God is already present, a mustard seed that can ultimately change the world more than the strongest army ever could. The question is, are our hearts dominated by fear or by love? Can we dare live in such a way that we bear witness to the same truth that brought Jesus into the world? The truth that only light can overcome darkness, that only love can overcome hate, that the kingdom of heaven comes only when we, like Leo, open ourselves to become servants. The church exists to tell that story, to bear witness to that truth. Today we will baptize Rebecca Funderburg. Becca, we don't baptize you into a club or an organization or an institution. Instead, we baptize you into a journey of servanthood, into the truth of God's self-giving love. May you, along with all of us, walking in this way of the cross, find it to be none other than the way of life and peace.